the things you're procrastinating on are actually a really good indicator of what you know what you need to hand off and delegate. So I've been trying to pay attention, a lot of attention to that. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, excited to have Devin Elder back. Devin, how are you doing today? Really good, Todd. Excited to be on the show again. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, wanted to catch up. You know, we, uh, Boy, I had you on the show. I think it was 2018. And wow. uh, yeah, a long time ago, man. And so it's been a long time. So, you know, listeners go back, listen to that. But a lot has changed. Uh, Devin has been busy. Uh, so Devin is the founder and CEO of DJE Texas Management Group, a vertically integrated invest, multifamily investment firm based in San Antonio, Texas. And since 2012, uh, the firm has completed hundreds of successful investment projects, which includes uh, full cycle multifamily deals, uh, which is what they're focused on today. And uh, currently they own over 5,000 doors of multifamily. Little fun uh, side note, Devin's a pilot, got a, flies a plane, flies a helicopter. He's also a podcast host and owner of a real estate consulting firm brokerage. And uh, last but not least, which is the coolest uh, part, the DJE Foundation, which is a nonprofit supporting disadvantaged children in Texas and in the Philippines. So with that said, Devin, man, welcome back to the show. Really appreciate it. Give like, if there's anything else I missed, maybe like a quick uh, Cliff Notes version, of course, people that want to really dive in. And I think it'd be fun to go back and listen to your original episode. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that, that bio kind of sums it up. We've got the, the firm today that we do multifamily and some other asset classes. And I feel like we're, you know, we're, we're growing as a company, but I feel like over the last couple of years, since I was last on the podcast, I've kind of <clears throat> set all these things in motion with the, with the foundation, with the team, the property management company, some other things. I feel like there was a lot of years there where I was just like starting new businesses and growing and just new things, new things. And and now I'm at a point where I'm like, okay, let's mature all these things now. You know, we've got kind of got to really, uh, you know, I'm an impatient person and I'm, I'm always starting new things and, 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 I, and I like the energy that that creates. But, you know, at some point it's like, all right, let's, let's grow some of these companies. And so I finally, like within the last year, got to a point where I'm like, you know what, I'm 44 life is really good. Let's continue to, you know, put good people on the bus and in their positions. Let's set some, you know, aggressive targets across all these entities that I, that I own. And let's just kind of focus on that making, you know, making those companies good and better and grow. And so that's kind of a shift from DJE Texas Management Group. It was me. I, I called it that. It's the initials of my three children and Texas Management Group indicates a team. It was literally just me. It sounded bigger than it was, but now it is, you know, now it is like 80 employees, right? Across uh, 85 employees across all the companies. So it really is a group of yeah. us going out and doing that. And so my priorities have shifted. And I think some of that just comes with age. I mean, I'm 44 and have just kind of settled into this, you know, not striving, trying to make something entrepreneur, but like, all right, I'm, I'm a business owner. 
let's, you know, that's just kind of a, it's, it's a different gear. And so that's yeah, kind of the that focus these kind days. Of, kind of a paradigm shift, right? You, before totally. it was, you know, and I, I get it. Like, I don't know exact words, but you're just like this guy going and doing and doing and doing and you're, yeah, technically you had a business, but you were just doing deals, right? You're yeah. just going and, right. and now you're like, whoa, I've created a business. Like I'm a business owner. Like let's focus on the systems. Let's focus on the growth. Let's hundred percent that type of thing. Uh, I, I'm right there with you. you I think uh, my kind of, I probably could very similar timeline. You know, it was just like, let's go do deals. Let's just do deals. Do, 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 do. And all of yep. a sudden it's like, okay, what are we building? What are we doing? Like, let's build right. something. Why are we that, doing this? Right. Why are we doing this? Yeah. And all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, I love that. So what today, uh, what's your kind of main focus? Cause before, you know, you were finding the deals, you're the capital grazer, you're, sure. you're everything right now. What is your kind of purpose, you know, not purpose, but uh, focus um, in the company? Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm the, I'm the coach of the team, but I'm also the owner of the team and I am splitting my time between those two roles. You know, if you kind of think about it as uh, you know, let's use an NBA analogy. Um, I've really, and it's not a, it's not a perfect analogy because the coach of the San Antonio Spurs does not shoot one basket. I still shoot a few baskets here and there, yeah. but I shouldn't be. Um, I will step foot on the court occasionally, but really the, the, the play that I need to be coaching the players, but then I'm also an owner and that, you know, in an NBA situation, the owner is not sitting on the sidelines, coaching the players. So right. there's a little bit of bleed, uh, in those roles, but I'm focused. I mean, especially for 2023, I kind of told my leadership team, like, I really want to have one meeting a week with each department head. And I'll have some agenda items and I want to coach you as much as possible to grow mm. in your role, which is a big, yeah, that's a big paradigm shift for me that, and you too, right. Is like a solo entrepreneur executor at some point, you probably got really good at executing like really quickly. And that probably led to a lot of early successes. And so now it's this, this issue for me of what got us here won't get us there. And so yeah. what will get us there, and that's our future goals, is just pouring into the into the leadership team. And then, you know, and they've got to do the same thing for the folks that report to them. So completely different structure than really kind of my dream when I set out was to have passive income that met and exceeded my bills and I could uh, lay on the beach. And that just that does not freaking work for me, man. Like I, that is just not how my brain is wired. I honestly am happier literally going to work every day. It's it's craziest thing. I mean, you know, if you would have told me when I, <laughs> when I was striving to leave my corporate job that, Hey, you're going to be right back here, but you're going to own the whole thing. I'd be like, get out of town. There's no freaking way. And yeah. That's just what it's evolved into. You know, I like running these companies. I think there's no better vehicle for personal development than being an entrepreneur and a business owner. Um, and then it's it's changed for me a lot, like to being a community participant. We're creating a lot of jobs. Um, we're the foundation, you know, is a beneficiary of our growing companies. So then there's this whole like you know, philanthropy element to it that as the companies grow, that grows in direct proportion, which is yeah. really cool. And then my kids are seven, 11 and 13. And 
you know, my purpose in life is just to be a role model for them and not in a, here's what you need to do way. I try, honestly, try to tell them anything. They're not listening, but they're watching. They're definitely watching. They're watching. And, and, you know, that's, that's the thing. And I've thought about that too. Like, you know, sometimes you have a hard day and you're just like, man, I could just sell everything. Yeah. (laughs) But then what would you do? Then what right? And then and then what are your kids seeing? Right? They're seeing right. they're seeing dad, maybe dad and mom, like doing nothing all day. Right. Or doing nothing productive, right? Right. They're seeing them sit at the beach. They're seeing them tra- travel, which is cool stuff. It's fun to an extent, right? To an extent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, like you said, you're you're being a role model. That that's what I think. Like I'm being a role model to my kids just by doing, they're seeing the hard work ethic. They're seeing that we're trying to build something. They're watching us build it. And we're both of you and I are building it right as they're growing. Right. And so they're seeing right. it. And you talked about, you know, before we talked about my son comes in and gives me a hug and you talked about your daughter coming down and, you know, sitting on the couch with you. And so it's like, they're watching this they're spending time with us it's so it's so cool so all all that is is awesome what's the most difficult or or was the shift was there difficulty to shifting from being that like that the doer right for for me the biggest shift the biggest difficult shift is i flipped houses you flipped houses too oh yeah but i was like in and doing the grind and and really just like all on these properties all day and writing tons of offers and doing a ton of deals. And then we shifted to not doing nearly as many deals because we're no bigger deals. And then I'm not doing that same grind. Like that was really difficult for me. Was there any like things that were really challenging for you to make that kind of shift to where you're at right now? The way I started in our paths, our paths are very similar, right? I started like working the W2 started, doing some burr houses, but always construction projects. Right. And then I started flipping houses and that's how I got my initial capital to get started. But like those first years were so busy. And then even when I got into multifamily, I was still like super busy. I mean, day job flipping and doing multifamily and having a job, right? Yeah. I mean, I kind of had it all going on for a couple of years there, which was you know, I, part of me is just wired to do that. I mean, I got my first job, like the moment I turned 16. And yeah. so I've always had a job and school or two jobs, like my whole life, right? I mean, it was school and bussing tables or school and bartending or college and doing this entrepreneurial thing, like my whole life. So I, I, I'm like, I, I like a full day. And so right. having right. a job and flipping houses and getting a multifamily felt like all right, this is a full life. Um, then, but then when I start, I think it started a handful of years ago when I started my property management company and started like hiring other people in the company to do some of the, I would call like pretty high level. I never thought I could give away like investor relations. You know, our investor relations, our head of investor relations has been with us for years now. And he like, he runs, a sh- he runs it, you know, he, it's not me like micromanaging him. It's yeah. okay. He runs that division of the business. And when I, I mean, it took a while to kind of transfer that and and make that happen. Mm-hmm. But once it did, it was that was just one example of like, okay, man, I never thought I could like release that part. And our business has grown a ton because of it. And so, what other pieces can I 
start releasing. And so that was the thing, I think starting the property management company, which was like pretty headcount intensive. And I, yeah. I brought in a leader to just basically start and run that. And so now it's, you know, there's a, there's a leadership team that um, I'm just trying to coach and look, and it's in their areas of expertise, they are definitely more expert than me. I'm just trying to be the guy with a 30,000 foot view and make sure all the dots connect and that they, you know, have the support they need. But that was the big turning point for me was, I mean, I was busy for years building the real estate company, still running around doing a lot of stuff myself. And, um, you know, you talk to enough guys that have built big businesses, you listen to enough podcasts and it all comes down to, you know, what, what uh, David Osborne has said, you have to work through other people. And, you know, this is not a new concept. You've got Dan Sullivan and Ben Hardy's book, Who Not How, it seems to be on everybody's bookshelf. And that concept um, has been a struggle for me. I mean, just transferring knowledge and skill sets. And, and it's really my own struggle, right? It's like, yeah. why can't somebody, this is a smart person. Why can't they read my mind and execute yeah. exactly like I'm thinking? I mean, come yeah. on. So that, that right there, that right there, what you just said, <laughs> I think I hundred percent. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs and then those who are listening are, are to the probably, probably very similar. Like it's just hard to right. give that stuff up. And then we assume that they know what we're thinking. Right. Yes. And then, and then we get mad when they don't do it right. But we got to look at ourselves and go, well, yeah, but what did I really tell them? What did I really, right. how did I really explain this to them? I just said, we'll go do this, 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 and this. And well, I explained it to them. Well, kind of, but your inside your brain knowledge is way deeper than they are. Now they're going to get there, but they don't know what you're thinking. Like, right. It's just, yeah. Yeah. That, that's I've made been that my, mistake so many times. It's been my biggest struggle. And it, yeah. it still is. I would say it's like my primary thing that I'm working on in myself. And part of it is um I think for a lot of years, I didn't want to insult somebody's intelligence by really breaking it down. Mm. You know, if somebody's like a you know, brand new hire, or you know, I had I had uh some employees overseas in the Philippines for years, right? And actually we still do, like some of our accounting team and stuff like that. Um, and, and that you like break things down by necessity, you break it down. I mean, you translate everything. And, and, and I, I felt like I didn't want to treat somebody maybe here in the office, maybe higher, higher education, higher salary, like, God, I want to talk to them like they're five. And so I kind of resisted that. Um, so I'm trying to find that balance where it's like, I need to clearly convey what I'm thinking. And yeah. sometimes I do a lot of writing to clarify my own thinking. I mean, a lot of writing before I present it to somebody and I keep a lot of lists. So like I'll have a weekly meeting with a department leader and rather than like ping them on Slack when something occurs to me, I just put it in the file. Like if it can wait and let it simmer for that until that meeting comes back around. And a lot of times my thinking has been clarified and I can present them with something that is a little you know, less spontaneous. And now part of that that kills me is like the business. It's not idea execution, idea execution, idea execution, which I love, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it used to be, and same for you, like idea execute. Man, I think our website should be this. I'm going to go in and change website. Boom, done. I think our marketing to investors should be this. I'm going to write the copy. Boom, done. Um, that, that doesn't happen anymore, right? And that's just the nature, I think, in the trade-off of having a bigger company and having a team. So just getting used to that and getting comfortable, that's been a a challenge for me, but letting ideas simmer and clarifying them 
in, in, in my own mind before I present it to somebody has I think helped with that, with that process. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good, I like the the fact that you're writing things down and doing that. I need to do more of that. Uh, I, I, you know, I will have an idea and then I'll try to verbalize it to somebody and, and that's where things get lost in the translation. So, right. so really just writing it, your thoughts down, you know, and, and I like that, you know, sometimes pausing too. Uh, super know. hard for me to do, but it's, it creates yeah. a, it's like a, it's like an internal check and balance for me. Yeah. So I'm not, because what I realized was I, I'm going to give these poor people whiplash because that's how my mind works. It's going a million miles an hour ideas all the time. Probably most of them shouldn't be implemented, but yeah. there's a couple of gems in there that might change the company for, for the yeah. better forever. And so you can't discount it, but I, Kind of let them simmer a little bit, and then yeah. the hopefully the poor ones die on their own. And I look back at it a few days later and go, I don't know why. What I'm so glad I didn't send that to my COO. Like this is garbage. But at the yeah. time, it sounded. It, I thought it was brilliant. I'm glad I didn't communicate it to him because he's got a full freaking calendar, a million things to do. And if I toss that over to him, say go execute this. I just thought of it. It's actually counterproductive because that might be one of those ideas 100%. that's going to die right? and it should die. And should so, die. yeah, you know, if something's urgent, dude, I mean, I'm going to call you right now and we're going to ha hash it out. But seriously, like 95% of the stuff that comes to my, my mind yeah. is not urgent. It could wait a few days. You know, yeah. I, that's, it, it's resisting that temptation, right? Cause like you, and, and the, most people don't think like, like us, right? And, and us meaning like entrepreneurs, business owners, like most right. people don't think that way. Most people just, uh, I think have more of a, like a linear type thinking, like they, they just don't. And I've, I've made that mistake. I'm, have you, have you made that mistake where you just assume that people think the way you do? Oh, I, mean, I mean, constantly, constantly. Yeah. It's just yeah. amazing because you know, like you said, you got this idea, boom, 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 boom. And it's like these, all these ideas are out there like everywhere. And then if you start spewing it at people, they're just like, whoa, what are, what are we talking about here? Well, I don't know what's like, going on. Like I thought yeah. we were doing this and we were going from here to here. Like, but you want us to take like a left and then a right and then a left again, and then go up this hill and down. And it's like, oh, what are you doing? Uh, I've yes. made that mistake so many times and I've just assumed that people have the same kind of mentality and mindset of, of me. And it's, 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 uh, it always is wrong. <laughs> I'm always right. wrong. Every yeah. Time. yeah. Somebody planned out their week. They're looking forward to Friday. They want to kind of punch in and have their, their stable job. And I, you know, that's most people and that's great. Right. That's yeah. totally fine. I think um, well, we need those people as entrepreneurs because that's like we need to put those them in those places like you're talking about. Like you're hiring the uh, I don't know what you what you call the person, the C CEO or whatever of the management company. Uh, you got to hire that. person, and, that, and you need yeah. that linear thinker. Right. You, know, you want people to have a little bit of you know imagination. But at the same time, you need somebody that can run that and not be just all over the place. So. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So I, I think it's at this point, it's like, I put some things in, in place to kind of save the company from myself. Right. And, and one of those things is just filter it through a notepad, 
first. You know, I got all these yeah. categories of notes in my on my iPhone and iPad and all that stuff, and put it all there first. And I started doing that, you know, a couple of years ago, and I'm just like astounded by the volume of stuff in there. And then also astounded, little blow to the ego, how much of it is probably not relevant or worth <laughs> bringing up to another person. It's just a bunch of garbage. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you know, freaking, you know, Rolling Stones has written a thousand songs and 25 are, are smash hits. But most of them, yeah, man, you haven't heard of, never heard it, yeah. never went anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and that's and the nature of the others they thought of that they just didn't even go and do. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. That they didn't even record. Right. I mean, yeah. it, it's like you, they've got their recorded body of work, their hits, which is a tiny portion of it. And then the ideas that never made it to record, which are probably a, th you know, thousand times that. So I think that's just the nature of the, you know, being a business owner and, and creating. And so that's, um, you, you know, try not to give, the organization whiplash. And I and one of the things that helps me there is just to set the targets, put everybody in their place. And then now, all right, I'm a coach to how, how can everybody, you know, kind of excel, which is interesting because that's not a role that I would have like, Ooh, ooh I can't wait to do that. I can't wait to be a coach to this leadership team. Yeah. But it, it's evolved to that. And the trade-off is one, you know, all these good benefits, I think, providing jobs and the foundation and the, our lifestyle is absolutely incredible and the freedom is absolutely incredible. And then the challenge of it is incredible and the kind of personal growth. So I look at all those things as like, yeah, this is this is worth doing and it's worth changing and shifting and getting better for the personal growth, for the lifestyle, for the benefits, all that stuff. It's just different than maybe I would have envisioned it because yeah, I almost kind of feel like I'm at the full cycle. If you put a hundred million dollars in my bank, what would I do? Well, shoot, I'd invest in, I'd invest it, right? I mean, live off some and live an awesome lifestyle, but I'd invest it. All right. What would you invest in? Well, a lot of real estate. Okay. Who's going to run it? I, another operator or a third-party management company, man, I kind of rather it be my companies that run those things. Yeah. So now you're kind of like in a family office situation where it's like hundred million dollars, you put it in my account. What are we going to do? I'm going to run my, my companies are going to run and grow that capital. Like, I don't know. And yeah. and we're going to bring on investors to, to do the same, but like, there's not something I would do drastically different. Yeah. If you yeah. put a hundred million dollars in the bank account, you know, yeah. it's like we're going to invest in real estate and somebody's got to, somebody's got to run it. Might as well be my companies that run it. As long as I'm not like dreading what I'm doing, you know, yeah. I mean, that's really important for me as an entrepreneur is like, I need to be enjoying what I'm doing. Um, not that you don't have hard days, but like on a regular basis, if there's something I'm doing, I don't enjoy get, get somebody to, to do it. And, um, Dan Sullivan's got a good thought about procrastination. He's like the things you're procrastinating on are actually a really good indicator of what, you know, what you need to hand off and delegate. So I've been trying to pay mm -hmm. attention, a lot of attention to that. Yeah. That's, that's super great. Um, advice, look at your list, look at your, you know, to-do list that you do every, that, that you hopefully put down every week or, or your, your time blocking or whatever, and what, yep. what didn't get done and what's on there that was on there last week. And maybe yep. even the week before, maybe even the week before that, like what keeps getting bumped. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so there's, there's probably some similarities there and you can go, okay, I, I really need to get rid of that um, because I don't, I don't enjoy doing it. You know, and if you don't enjoy doing it, you're not going to do it. You're procrastinating like you said, and then man, and you're not going to do it as well either. So yeah, you're not going to do it well. And then I think for the long-term viability of the company, assuming you want to run 
and own companies that are be around for a while, it's a threat to the company. You know, if the owner founder is still involved in the company and they're they're hating it, they're gonna yeah. leave or sell it or or something at some point. Well, people so, are gonna feel that too, right? You, I think so. Your staff yeah, is sure. definitely gonna feel it. Like for sure. They they know. So yeah, you gotta be doing something that you enjoy. And it doesn't have to be exactly what Devin's doing. Like, you, you know, you don't have to take this coach type role. You could still, if you love investor relations, you can like, you didn't have to give that up. You could right. still be doing that. That could be your main thing. Or maybe you love underwriting. Like that's okay. You probably have some analysts too, but you're still doing some of that. Like that's, that's fine. Like you got to continue to do what you love, but you also have to start delegating things to other people to be able to grow the business. What was the, like, was there any, I don't know, any things that you, anything that you did or, or like moments that helped this like paradigm shift, you know, thinking back from, you know, the Devin that's just grinding and doing every little last thing. And probably, you know, were, were you at one time like going to the properties and physically doing some of the labor? Did you ever, I, get to, were you ever at that point? My first rental house, um, I remember we were there on a weekend trying to fix a clogged sink and I went with my dad and I just had this epiphany moment. This, I mean, this is like, you know, mo like three months into my real estate investing career. So this right? is like your first paradigm shift, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I bought a house with hard money. Yeah. renovated it, refinanced it, burr, and it worked. And I was like, oh my goodness, that this worked, man. I got like $25,000 of equity. I got cash flow. Love it. But then the, the, you know, the tenant had an issue. I go over there trying to fix a sink and their house is a mess and in you know, my house, right. But the, they're renting. And I was like, man, this is not what I want to be doing on a Sunday. And I promised myself right then and there, I was like, I'm going to, I want to own 10 of these and I can't, do this one more time in my life. Like I, it's going to cost more dollars, but I'm never doing this again. And it was the same thing with the contracting side. Like I've never literally never swung a hammer on a property, except maybe to like demo some walls for kicks, you know, yeah. with my kids punch hole in the wall or something, right. Just for fun. If we're, we're doing something silly like that, but kind of from the labor perspective, I just was like, man, uh, and also like, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to go build a house. Um, I like being outside and doing that kind of stuff, but I'm more, I've always been more of a finance kind of minded guy. I've always loved numbers and money. That's what I gravitate to. And so the physical side of it, I just never got into. So, you know, have I been burned by contractors because of that? I'm relying on them to do the, of course, but I never really got into that part of it. One of my first larger multifamily deals was a partnership with another couple that had done some multifamily and they were like real big on doing the physical mm. uh, work. Like he would be there on Sunday working wow. a, you know, a 15 hour day mowing the grass. And I was just like, man, I can't dude. I mean, that's just one it to me with all the books I've read about, you know, efficiency and scale and business books, like that's a extremely poor use of time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sitting there mowing. Do it. so it's it's been a, a process of um you know having to rely on people for those things and i think that's actually been good in, in hindsight because now i've developed kind of a a sense about how to 
how to work through other people on that stuff. But I never got caught in that trap of like, man, we got to go to Home Depot and pick up a bunch of tile and, um, you know, go put some tile down to make, you know, this listing, the pictures are blah, blah, blah. It's like <clears throat> always, always had to work through other people on that stuff. Yeah, um, I'm and guilty. then that's, I'm you know, guilty. I'm guilty. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's common and probably because yeah. you can, right? Like yeah, if it was good tile this floor, like, yeah. I'm sorry, man, I'm probably not going to do a very good job. I'm probably not the guy, um, which I see other things like, man, I, I, I still, I designed our website and I, and I've trained my office manager to, to, she runs it now, but like how many dozens, hundreds of hours have I spent on web design for my company? Way too many. Right. So maybe that's the parallel of yeah. mowing yeah, there's the There's things that you used to do. Right. Right. Is there any, like, so my original question was, was this, like, what was there any specific things that you've like done or is it like to change that paradigm like you know for listeners out there they've got a certain paradigm right now and, and for them to grow for them to get to the next level they got to continue to shift that paradigm is there th certain right. things like you've done or habits or like just like what what is it anything the, i think there's an exercise that might be helpful to somebody listening and that's that's just you know in terms of bringing on employees which is a whole new ball game right i mean if you're a solopreneur and you have yeah. zero overhead um, that's cool to get off the ground and maybe even run that business forever because you have no overhead. And if that's what you want, that's great. If you want to grow a company and have a team, you know, you, you're going to have to run some ROI examples at some point. And so, you know, you say, we want our company to do X and that's going to do this to, in terms of revenue and net worth and stuff like that. And employee costs this plus benefits. And you're basically making, well, the way I think about it is you're making a 90 day bet. So, you know, if somebody um, makes $5,000 a month, let's $10,000. Somebody makes $10,000 a month as an employee after their benefits and everything. You're going, man, if they came on and they did a pretty good job, what does that do to my company in a year or three years? Okay. Yeah. You know, what is that? If they, if they work, what does that look like? Okay. That's pretty good. If that works out, that's kind of the, middle of the road or maybe the upside scenario, then, okay, well, they cost 10 grand a month. So, well, within 90 days, I'm pretty sure I'm going to know whether or not they're a fit, but I got to make, you know, obviously there's interview and stuff I got to do on the front end, but once they come in, they start getting a paycheck. I'm look, I'm making a $30,000 bet to get this potential like middle of the road outcome or upside outcome that that person could have the impact on the company. And that helps me think about hiring people a lot, a lot better. Because if you're like, man, I got to hire this person for 120 grand a year. Yeah, that's big. Man, that is a big commitment. It's like, that's a whole year of everyone's life. That's a long time. Yeah. They're not going to be on for a year before you find out they didn't work. It's, yeah. it's going to be 90 days if they don't. If they do work, they might be around for years and provide a lot of benefit to the company. So I'd think about it in terms of a 90 day bet. What's, what's three months of their salary plus benefits and go, okay, this, this employee has a potential to impact the company in this way. You know, if we're able to achieve our goals or get close and I'm going to make a $30,000 bet or whatever three months is on that person for this outcome. And then you just do an ROI, like what's 30,000 divided by the benefit. And it's like, Oh dude, the equity multiple on that is like crazy. Like yeah. it's, one of the best investments you could make. And I, when I started putting it into paper like that, it's like, shoot, man, I'll make the bet, <laughs> you know? And sometimes you lose, 
you lose and that's that's just kind of cost of doing business but a lot of times you win and the, yeah, company the majority of times you win right 100 percent. yeah yeah yeah, yeah and, and and you might maybe that person wasn't the fit but you realize that that position was the fit i've had that before too where it's like that person maybe wasn't isn't the best fit and we're gonna have to find a new person but that position is definitely the fit like we need that position yep and I love that breaking it down because you're right. It, it's it's a little terrifying thinking about paying somebody 100, 120, 150, whatever it is. It's terrifying thinking about that for a year. But if you break it down and say, well, we only have to do this for 90 days. Like, what does that equal? Okay. Right. All right. We, you know, eight grand, 10 grand, whatever it is. You know, Can we risk that? Can we risk if, that? Yeah. And if you can risk it, do it. And that, that, uh, that simplifies things for, for, for me, cause we all kind of think in terms of annual salaries and you're like, Whoa, that's, that's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. Uh, but you're only bringing them on to, to, to grow or improve the company. And you know, that's, uh, the, the ROI ought to be there. It has to be there, right. If you're going to be in, in business. And usually it is, I feel like usually we're too late to the game as we, we should have, we like, should have made that decision probably six months or maybe even a year maybe even a couple of years uh, before that. And we, we waited, which is fine. Like it's, it's, it just, you know, you learn and, but as a business owner, you also are trying to protect your downside too. Are you yeah. To Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Everything? I feel like every hire was like, why did I wait so long for why that? Wait? Part of it is, is, you know, you're trying to see the future and that's inherently challenging. And um, I think some of it too, growing a business is like a confidence issue. It's like, man, I, you know, I, yeah, I want to look back and call this a win, but like, we don't, we don't know what the future is. And we're making a big commitment on, on payroll. And as soon as you commit more on payroll, you got to commit more on the, on the production side. So, um, but yeah, I agree. I feel like we're, we historically have kind of always been late. That's kind of a conversation we've been having internally is like, should we get, should we get ahead of this hire? You know, um, and st we're starting to think more about that kind of stuff and doing it a little yeah. earlier. Yeah. Yeah, we we this year we took our kind of our goals and said here here are the goals that we want and one of those goals is who are identifying the next positions the next hires nice who are the next people we're going to hire and bring into our company and let's put a timeline on that and now the timeline can still be a little bit flexible but like at least we have it in front of us and so when March first hits and we say we're going to hire a person on March first you know we're already thinking about that and. And maybe March 1st happens. We're like, Hey, you know what? Let, let's push that off by 30 days. But it's okay because we at least are thinking about that position. We're deciding this is, this is, this is the next step. I think that's really important to really think about. And I don't, I think companies need to get to a point where I, I do, I do think, and I think you said it earlier. I mean, it's great for companies to have very little overhead. Right. When you're starting out. And I think that's super smart. I think that's a, that's a mistake some companies do make is that they read a book or they hear a podcast that some people are saying hire people. And then they hire people way too early. And right. then they, they hire way too many people. And now all of a sudden they got all this payroll burden, but they have, you know, no profit. And, That'll kill and you. That, that's a challenge too. So there, there's, sure. and that's, that, that's the risk of, you know, being an entrepreneur, uh, we want to grow, but we got to be smart about how we grow. So um, but usually, at least in my business, I've been too late to hire almost every single time. So right. every, every single time. <laughs> um, right. All right. Crazy market, right? To 2023 yes. beginning, yes. you know, what, you know, 
2022, obviously the, the market changed from just white hot, crazy. I mean, deals are, are going for just wild prices to all of a sudden the market. Now, I wouldn't say we had this big downturn and prices crashed, but just the market uh, feels a lot different. What are you guys doing right now? What do you, is it, is it just kind of, uh, you know, a lot of this build mode of your company or are you guys still looking at buying? Like where, where are you guys at right now? What are you seeing here in the, in the market? Obviously you're in the San Antonio market. So uh, different markets than I am at, but. Yeah. So, you know, this stuff is so directly correlated to rates. So you see yeah. rate moves that we haven't seen in 40 years. You're going to see the results that are extremely atypical too. So yep. huge rate hikes, aggressive um, moves on the Fed's part, changes the debt markets. Obviously that's going to change, you know, multifamily transactions. So what we're doing is we're still going through the motions, right? Had a broker, a couple of brokers in our office yesterday for a meeting. Kind of, you know, everybody's kind of the same consensus. Um, playing a little more golf with some brokers. That's kind of all those guys are doing these days, right? It's just like trying to keep the relationships going. But we are building too, you know, we, we hired a head of acquisitions and, you know, part of that felt a little counterintuitive. It's like, man, that's a really slow time. Why, why are you hiring somebody oh, that's somebody. pretty high caliber? Yeah. But um, the thought there is that we can kind of get him in and ramped up to, you know, we would think this is kind of a short-term scenario. If we look historically, we'd hope that at some point over the next 18 months, things start to loosen up. Maybe, yeah. uh, you know, I don't, I'm not making any yeah, predictions, right, right, right. but at some point, you know, things are going to kind of normalize and debt markets stabilize. So we're still looking at stuff. Um, you know, we haven't transacted on a multifamily deal in a while. It's just because mid-2022, things just kind of yeah. stopped. Um the 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 lot of price discovery that I mean this is the same thing everybody's saying but sellers don't want to give up you know and we were getting unsolicited offers a year ago on stuff that was like bonkers yeah. right and yeah. and now it's like oh you know once you tell somebody a high watermark on a price for their asset like they're they're never going to let it go and yeah. so unless sellers have to sell I, they're not but there's going to be some have to sellers here at some point because of your variable rate debt because you're inherently short maturity horizons. So we just don't want to be one of those four sellers. We want to be a buyer when, when that stuff comes up. So, you know, we're talking to brokers yesterday, we're touring a property today. We'll make offers where we're okay with them. Um, they're, they're low offers, but that's what everybody kind of expects right now. So we're going through the motions and then really, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I decided to kind of diversify the firm and some other asset classes. So we we've been buying rural land, which is a radically different play. But the way we structure it, you know, creates some revenue for the company that um, can help keep the lights on. If And that really takes the pressure off having to buy a mul another multifamily deal. I mean, if I had it my way, we just buy, you know, two, three, four, five hundred units a quarter of multifamily and just drop them into the machine with our property management company and just move on down the line and just cycle through them every three, two, three, four years, right? The market's not giving that to us. So we're ready. Investors, you know, would love to do another multifamily deal. Yep. We'd love to do another multifamily deal. Yep. Um, stuff's not penciling. So we're just going to continue to go through the motions on that stuff. Uh, and then maybe, you know, I call it just like cleaning the garage. You know, you got a slow weekend. Maybe your family's out of town 
now, man, I haven't had a, hadn't had a day or like this in a while. I think I'm gonna clean the garage. It needs to get done. I've been busy. So we're kind of cleaning the garage. There's stuff, you know, we moved into a new corporate office. That's been a thing that we were working on last year. There's processes, systems, more yeah. coaching people. Like let's clean the garage a little bit and get ready for whatever the next phase is. And in the meantime, you know, we're looking at, we're, we're doing our land deals, which kind of gives everybody a little something to do and create some revenue. And then we're also exploring um, or have started some of these contractor garage type uh, projects. Uh, so we've got one that we're building a couple more that we're looking at just to create some diversity, you know, yeah. and, and do some different things outside of multifamily, even though I love multifamily, it's just the market's not giving us anything right now. And I think that's relatively short term, but yeah, yeah. that's and just kind of how, that's, that's kind of how we're addressing. Yeah. 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 Well, well, you said you're talking to these land deals, you're buying raw land. How are you making money on raw land? Are you flipping the land or are you leasing the cropland or what, what are you, mineral yep. rights so, or what are you doing? It's, it's a little bit of that. I mean, we'll get the mineral rights sometimes, but that's, um, I expect zero dollars out of that. I, I may get a door knock someday that um I, I kind of have this I don't know, this thought that worked so hard over a decade to build this company. And one day uh somebody's gonna, you know, one of these little min dinky mineral rights that I have is gonna be worth more than all of it. And then through no like no work, right? That yeah, would be right. comical. But yeah. uh that's that's kind of a side thing. The the bottom line is we're buying rural land and subdividing it. And when you do that, you know, you buy 500 acres and then you sell 100 acre tracks. Well, you're buy, you know, 500 acre deal is yeah, and it's just an example, but you know that might be a multi-million dollar purchase, right? Let's say it's a three, four, five million dollar purchase, cash. That's a, you know, that's a small buyer pool. So you're kind of in a small buyer pool on the buy side, but then you turn around and you go sell hundred acre tracks. Well, every freaking dad that lives, you know, in a major metro—Dallas, San Antonio, Houston, Austin can get there on two weekends and go shoot a white-tailed deer with their sons or go out there with their buddies, you know, buy, they buy a hundred acres, they put 20% down with yeah. capital farm credit. They get, they can, it's a secondary thing. I mean, we got a ranch and we, we freaking love it. We go there as much as we can. And so I, once we bought our ranch and, I, and we started spending a ton of time out there and honestly, it's my favorite family time. You know, it just dawned on me that like, God, there's a lot of guys like me out there that yeah. can afford 20% down on a hundred acres. And that's a pretty big buyer pool. So the, the model there is, you know, we're buying at X and we can sell at a decent multiple to because it's just a different buyer pool. So it's like a wholesale retail model, Love it. right? Love it. You, you, you're buying a lot of it and selling a little yeah. bit of it. And, um, and you can mark it up. And so I was explaining this to a buddy of mine over a beer a couple of months back. He goes, oh, like cocaine. I was like, hmm, I'd imagine you buy Maybe. a lot of it and then you <laughs> sell a little bit of it at a higher price. I, uh, sure, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm probably not going to put that in any pitch decks or anything, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. how about wholesale retail? Let's let's use that model. But um, so that's kind of it. You know, I had, a, um, you know, there's tons of people doing this all over the country, but once we bought our ranch, this is a number of years ago in South Texas, and I got to be friends with the broker. Great guys, become a good friend. And I'm like, man, can we just, can we buy one of these things and chop it up and sell it? And he's like, yep. So we did a few just with my own capital. And then we started showing a few to investors. They liked it. And so now we're 
we're off to the races. We're, we're doing a bunch of them. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a fun business, totally different than multifamily, yeah. like radically different, but it's been a nice, um, it's been great for the health of the company to have kind of a diverse asset class. And I think it goes back to what you're saying about hiring people. Like, I don't, you don't want to go out and hire a bunch of people right when you start. It's all about the phases of your business and, and your life. You know, when you start out in real estate investing, don't go out and do Same thing. things. Yeah. Don't go out and do two things. Go do one and have some success and build on that. And I think yeah. that's where we're at. We've, we've, we've had success over the years. Let's build on it and create a little diversity because we're at the correct stage for that. Um, you know, diversity of asset classes is not the thing to do out of the gate. 100%. But at some point, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you. I mean, hundred percent, you've got to focus on that one thing. And I think a lot of people get excited because they hear somebody like you that's got multiple things going on and they're like, oh, that'd be awesome. I, I can do that too. And so the, all of a sudden they're buying multifamily, they're buying land deals, they're buying subject to houses, they're whatever, they're buying all these things. And that, that, but they wonder why they're spinning their wheels and not making any money. It's because they're not focused, right? They don't, you have yeah. processes in place yeah, I mean, for your multifamily. You have teams in place for your multifamily. Now you're managing those teams. Now it's a lot easier for you to go out and get into a new asset class because you've already got the machine running over here. Now you're just kind of hitching on a new machine that can run with, but independently as, as well. And, and this one's just running by itself. Like it, it's totally different. And so, yeah, I think people have to understand you've got to focus on the one thing, get the machine running, get it going well, maintain it, you know, make sure it's, it's, it's a system and it's, it's running and then you can hitch on, right. Then you can move and, and do something additional. Yeah. And it's, if you're starting, you got to get your reps in. I mean, I flipped a hundred yeah. freaking houses before yeah. I got into multifamily. <laughs> Not that one was a requirement for the other, but like no. there's undeniable work and pain and lessons in there yeah. that you carry through to the next thing as, you know, intuition, as experience. And you, I don't think you go from zero reps to Ah, it's you know gym analogy, right? You you know, you don't just go in and and do the the thing that the guy that's been working out for ten years is doing, right? Yep. You really got to get your reps in and build it up. So that's you know that's that's what we've done, and it's been nice to kind of have some different asset classes, but super cautious about it, right? I mean, there's hundred different strategies in real estate, and I ignore just about all of them, yep. right? We got a few that we like. Love it, love it. All right, man. Well, we've gone way too long, uh, but this has been awesome. I love the. Uh... Love the conversation. Um, I, I asked you this question before. Uh, okay. well, I, I got two questions. I'm going to ask you quick, and uh, and, and then I'll. Got to be respectful of John, so I got to get you out of here. But uh, what's a favorite book that you can pass down to our listeners? So many good ones. Um, it's changed over the years, right? Like stuff that inspired me early on to be an entrepreneur is totally different now than things like business leadership books. Yeah, I touched on it earlier, but Dan Sullivan is one of my favorite entrepreneurial thinkers, strategic yep. coach. I'm not in strategic coach just because of a time constraint we talked about earlier. It's like, you can only be in so many masterminds, but uh, his book, who not how, uh, and that concept, I think, you know, if you are growing and you are uh, going beyond that solopreneur stage, it's just, is great. So that's, yeah. that's kind of the one that, that I would, uh, that I would touch on. There's a thousand more. I'm a big reader, but that that's one I would like to, if you haven't read it, check it out. Love it. Love it. All right. Last question. 
What are your three pillars of wealth creation? Three pillars of wealth creation. Um, I'm going to give you two sets. Set A is our, I literally have this on slides I've presented to my team. The three legs of the stool for our company is industrial land and multifamily assets. And then on the people side, I got a deal guy, I got a money guy, and I got a people guy. And so those are the three legs of my company. My COO on operations and people, our head of acquisitions is the deal guy, our head of investor relations, is the money guy. And you got to have all three. You got to have deal money and teams to make it all work. Now we've got somebody in place leading each of those things. And that's, those are my pillars of wealth creation. Love it. Love it. All right, man. Well, really appreciate it. Thanks so much for spending time with us. How can our listeners get in touch with you and uh, learn more about your company? Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on, Todd. It's awesome to connect again, man. Um, easiest way is the website, djetexas.com. All kind of good stuff there. Would awesome. love, uh, love to connect with folks. Awesome. Again, really appreciate it, man. You have a fantastic rest of the day. Thanks, Todd. See you soon. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. It's a rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to venturedproperties.com, venturedproperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like, uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go up to coachwithdex.com and check that out. And, uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.